Welcome to Calvary Chapel, Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us this week for a special message from Pastor John King. Uh, well, um, this is this week we're going to do kind of a special message. Uh, most churches, I think, like to stop, and we tend to do that as well, stop as we enter the new year. And just, uh, you know, maybe, you know, I don't want to say cast a vision, you know, sometimes I think it gets a little overblown, to be honest with you. Uh, but, you know, the Lord speaks to us in many ways. I'll tell you that the Lord tends to speak to me during the everyday things, you know, when I'm doing everyday work. And, uh, you know, it's not some uh, off on some distant mountain somewhere uh, in the middle of a thunderstorm or whatever. You know, it's not always like that. You guys know what I'm talking about. But, uh, but I think it's super important for us to kind of just take a look at, um, you know, where we're at and where we're headed. And so this can always be a dangerous Sunday for a pastor. You know, this can be a, because I think the expectations can be mis misunderstood. So uh, I'm going to try to do my best. But uh, today we're going we're gonna to be, for scripture for today, we're going to base it off of Isaiah 1, as you see, verses 10 through 20. Um, you know, we, we've been looking at the book of Daniel, and of course we'll continue that, but today we're going to step back a few books into the Old Testament and look at one of the prophets' sermons against the southern kingdom of Judah. This was uh, what led to their exile that we're reading about in Daniel. Why? Well, because today, you know, we've, as I was saying, we've entered this new year. And we're going to look ahead. We've got a, in your bulletins, you'll see we've got a, we kind of put everything on paper this year. So it seems like a lot, but it's the stuff we tend to, we typically do here. And we put it all on one piece of paper, or two, I should say. But we're going to look ahead to the things we've planned to do as a church. You know, as a fellowship of believers, of course, we continue our Sundays and midweek services. Uh, we're planning some outreach, and we're also planning some special services. And as your pastor, I believe it's helpful to learn from Scripture some of the pitfalls and dangers of becoming a religious people. You know, just going through the motions. That can happen. You get stale after a while. But that's what contributed to the downfall of the Jews and has certainly infected the modern church as well. Either we get stale in the modern church sometimes or we try to reinvent things and create, you know, extra biblical things. And so, you know, you and I, we're not, us as a church, as a fellowship, I'm speaking to you as a family, we're not immune from that danger. We're, we're not at all immune from that danger. But, uh, you know, that's why we, we are so committed to teaching God's word, so that the Lord will keep us in line. Let's read the passage. Isaiah 1, verses 10 through 20 reads, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I've had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. And when you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity in the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are a trouble to me, and I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so, Heavenly Father, as we gather today as a church family, and we take a look at the things that we have planned to do this year, 
Lord, we ask that you go before us. We know that the proverb says that man will make his plans, yet God will guide his steps. And so, Lord, we're going to say it publicly, the things that we'd like to do. And we're going to examine your scriptures and see and learn from the things that you don't like. Lord, we want to please you as a congregation, as individuals. We want to please you. and We want to bring glory to your name so that others will see and give amazement to the wonderful and great things that you do. So, Lord, we ask that you go before our our time this morning. We ask, again, that you would just bless it, bless our fellowship, and speak to our hearts. We pray this now in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. So it starts out, and, and, you know, since we're kind of jumping in the middle of Isaiah here, uh, the first chapter, we, we need to give a little bit of background. Um, it says in the first verse, our first verse for today, verse 10, he says, You rulers of Sodom, uh, give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now, why is he, why is he referring to, to the Jews as this uh, ancient city of, of, you know, the terrible story of Sodom and Gomorrah and how God destroyed them? Well, keep in mind that Isaiah the prophet was sent by God to deliver the word of God to the southern kingdom of Judah, which also included the city of Jerusalem. And he would prophesy during the reign of four kings, the reign of Judah, uh, excuse me, reign of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Now the nation Israel had already been divided between the northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. There were 10 tribes in the northern kingdom and there were two tribes in the southern kingdom. And so as the chapter unfolds, it's clear that the people have become corrupt They've become rebellious and they've forsaken God. In fact, Isaiah 1.4 reads this. He sums it up. He says, Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord and they have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. And so now by the time we get to verse 10, things have gotten so bad that the prophet compares them to the ancient cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, which God destroyed for their their, wickedness. And he he preserved, though he did take out Lot and his family. Their nation is now divided. Their nation is divided. And they've been invaded by foreigners and their cities have been burned. You see, when a country turns away from God... You see sort of a parallel, don't you? God chose the Israelites to be his special witnesses on earth, to proclaim that he, the Lord himself, Jehovah and Yahweh, is the only true and living God. He gave them two wonderful gifts, his word, which they were to share with the world, and his son, the Savior, who was to rescue the world from the bondage of sin and death. But down through the generations, the Israelites rebelled against the Lord. And like rebellious children, they rejected his love and his word and broke all of his commandments. Forsaking the Lord, they lived wicked lives characterized by immorality, lawlessness, and violence. And they corrupted the society and the land God had so freely given to them. And so he says, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers. Because of their sin, they become just like Sodom and Gomorrah. But then he says this, Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Their only hope was to hear the word of the Lord and listen to his law and to obey it. It says hear and listen means to heed, to give attention to, and to obey God's commandments. So, you know, you, you take that in, you, you, you kind of think about this as I have, and, and you realize that Isaiah was addressing God's people, the nation Israel, and that today as the church, not in a sense of replacing Israel, okay, but today as the church of Jesus Christ, you and I, we are God's people. We know in our Western culture and society that there has been a steady move away from what we call Judeo-Christian values, There's always a battle going on, but it seems like we're losing the battle sometimes. Those were the things, the values that were formed, that formed and founded our nation and many nations for that matter, but for, for America in particular. And one particular concern today is the steady decline in church attendance. 
And that's a key indicator of spiritual health. You know, when people make the flippant remark, you don't have to be, go to church to be a Christian. Look, I would beg, or beg to differ. The word of God is clear. You know, you, you can't, it's very difficult unless your circumstances do not allow it to grow in faith outside of the community of God. I don't care who you are, you know, and we live in this free society where we can just drive into our houses, open up our garage door, never talk to our neighbors. That's the kind of world we live in. And then we can kind of say, you know, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. No, folks, I, I think that's wrong. And I have obviously, by your attendance, you, you, uh, you agree with me, and that's good. Um, but it's a key indicator of spiritual health, especially in a nation where it's free to gather. You know, America is not the world, okay? It's a very small part of the world, amen? And there's a lot of places in this, country, in this world where you have to sneak around to get into a church. You have to hide from the authorities to get into a church. But here we have the freedom to do that. And yet we have a continuing steady decline in church attendance. And you hear it over and over again. In fact, more and more people are becoming what we call nuns. Nuns, not nuns as in N-U-N-S, but nuns. They're not necessarily atheists. They just simply are not affiliated with anything. They detest the thought of organized religion and anything religious. Because what have they done? They found other things to do. We live in a world today where I can spend 24-7 right here. You know, I might stop to get a breath of air and eat, but I can spend all my life Every waking moment, playing games, doing things on my phone. That's the kind of world we live in, so it's so easy. You know, it's so easy to become preoccupied. But the problem is that something always tries to step in and draw people to our cause. We've seen it over the last several years, most recently. Whether it's a political movement, social movement, environmental movements... They are ready to step in and draw people to their cause. And these issues are a definite concern, especially among what we call the millennial population. That also happens to be the population that's not coming to church anymore, if you hadn't noticed. But they lack an important element. All these, these movements may be important, but they lack an important element because they're secular. They don't address the most important and age-old interest in issue, and that is what? Sin that separates man from God. It's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit for what God wants to do in society and through society. Our Creator God made us with a need for purpose and fulfillment. And He also gave us the one who would fulfill that need in Jesus he wrote his law on our hearts and he gave us a conscience to respond to the Holy Spirit through the conviction of our sins. Through sin, uh, through the fall of Adam and Eve, brought the curse of separation from God. This is what we know happened. The atoning work of Jesus through the, his death on the cross made for sure a way back to a right relationship with God. That's the good news. That's what we are to proclaim to the world. That's what we are to remind ourselves with often. So the word of God was coming through Isaiah and he was giving his people a wake-up call to hear and listen to the word of God. And there's been a steady call to the church of today for a similar wake-up. How many times in the last several years or months have you been hearing 2 Chronicles 7.14? What does it say? 2 Chronicles 7.14, I'll read it for you. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Who's it addressed to? The people, my people. And that's what we should want to do. And that's why we're having a special message today to look at what we're actually planning to do. But let's be clear. We need to ask why we do it. We really do. What's the purpose? Because he asked the question, what's the purpose of your gatherings? Is it just to look busy or to kind of signal some virtue that, hey, we're with it, we're keeping up with the needs of our society, and we're just, you know, here we are? Now, even though, folks, the case before us in this city 
is very extreme compared to us and other Bible teaching churches. But there was always a remnant in Isaiah's day and in our day and all through generation upon generation. But we're seeing serious problems in our nation among professing Christians. For one thing, progressive Christianity is spreading like wildfire. It's, it's taken over churches all over the place. You may not see it because we are... Conf- you, may, you hope you'll never see it here. But we are committed to teaching God's word. We're not going to entertain people into our church. We're not going to change the Bible. We're not going to tell you that you know, Paul had some mistakes. Paul made some mistakes on certain things. We're not going to discount the, the traditional orthodox values and views that Christians have held for centuries. We're not going to push them aside to make ourselves more relevant with our society. But progressive Christianity is spreading. And that's not what my message is for today. But uh, look around. So Isaiah asks in verses, they start in verse 11, he says, to what purpose? Again, why are we doing this? Why are we laying out our plans? He says, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? Now the people of that day were not only rebellious, they were not only extremely rebellious, but they were still very religious. And God doesn't like that mixture. <laughs> not at all. If you call yourself God's people and you want, to, you want to combine your rebellious attitude towards God with your so-called religion, God, you can see right here, it's disgusting to him. It's hypocrisy. And it's disgusting to the world that's watching. Faithful church attendance doesn't always equal genuine obedience. God charged them with living double lives. And he was angry with them. He says, I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. The burnt offering was sacrificed to bring reconciliation to God. That was the purpose of that sacrifice in the, in the days when sacrifices were required. But they were unwilling to turn from their sins. Like when we reinterpret the Bible to suit our desires. We redefine words that were clearly understood. And now we create just all kinds of confusion in the body of Christ. He says, I do not delight in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. He says, I don't take pleasure in that. God rejected their offerings because they were paying lip service to his commandments. And when you come to appear before me in verse 12, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? When you present yourself before the Lord, who has required this? Why do, you, why do you come in and trample my courts? Why do you tread? One writer put it this way. The people's coming before him to worship amounted to nothing but trampling his courts. They were hypocrites, people who f- professed to know God and whose hearts were far from him. Their worship was nothing but an outward show. Their sacrifices had become nothing more than a ritual, a formal and insincere ceremony that God hated. And they had become a weary burden to him. Keep in mind what God really wanted. And that's obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. 1 Samuel 15, 22. But, you know, God, in his grace and in his love and mercy, he doesn't just leave you hanging, does he? He he doesn't just leave you in condemnation. When he rebukes, he always finds a way back. He always comes as a up your false worship. Verse 13. Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. It's a disgusting thing to him. Now, incense, incense was a symbol of prayer. It's a symbol of prayer. So even in our prayers, we can become you know, sort of a, a disgusting thing to God when our hearts aren't right with him. And then he says, you know, the new moons and Sabbaths and the calling of assemblies, all these special holidays. He says, I can't endure it anymore. It's too phony. It's too sinful. I can't take it. In verse 14, he says, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. Wait a minute. God is love, right? No, God, God hates sin. He hates sin. 
You, you know it when you you know it when you're kind of in trouble with him, right? You sense that you know you haven't gotten right with God. You haven't repented with the Lord. Your conscience is working against you and the Holy Spirit, and they're all beating up on you, right? Because you know you need to do something. And he says they trouble me. I'm weary of bearing them. He's he's tired of carrying the burden. These are all words to describe God's. You know, God. He's spirit, but he uses. The prophet Isaiah to speak words to us that we can relate to and understand. And yet God's response, he explains the results. Here's what's going to happen, just like a true father. When, you, when you're raising your children, fathers and mothers, and you tell your kids, look, if you don't do this, here's going to be the consequences. And he says, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. I'll disregard you. And then he says, even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. When you make many prayers, when your hands... In other words, when you pray or you sing songs or you come before the Lord, you know, we have that song, give us clean hands. Give us clean hands before you, Lord. We want to be right with the Lord. And, and sometimes that, you know, it doesn't happen all at once. And none of us are perfect in this aspect, by the way. <laughs> And like I said, that's an extreme example, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to put this on you as though this is where we're at, okay? Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? I'm not, I'm not doing that. I think the example is important for us, though. When we look at our church vision statement, you see it on our webpage, you see it on our bulletins. It says, we, we ask that we try to answer the question, to what purpose do we gather? And our vision reads this way. It says, we desire to be transformed by the word of God together as a body of believers while it's called today. You know, just a, a thing that the Lord did indeed, I believe, give me as kind of our vision moving forward as a church. To be transformed by the renewing of our mind. When our minds are renewed, we, we tend to think differently when it's re renewed by God's word. When we obey this principle and allow the Holy Spirit and the word of God to actually change us. Our lives will actually prove it out. It will, it will, be, it will bear fruit. So we desire to be transformed and we, we desire to do it together in many aspects. Now, of course, you know, you only spend a couple hours a week here at the church. I mean, that's how it is with life. You know, you're at your family, you're at your work, you're sleeping or whatever. But the times that we're together, you know, we're all invited to behold the Lord and to be transformed into his image. And so together is encouraging. Folks, you know, you come here sometimes and you think, I don't do a single thing in this church. I don't serve on a team. I don't, you know, I just, I just come, what can I offer? Well, your presence offers quite a bit. Your presence offers encouragement to every person here. And so we're to gather together to encourage others. And when we gather together, it should be consistent and motivated more by what we contribute. You know, this is our, we want to say, hey, I don't come to, to receive, just, you know, feed me. I come to give. That's, that's the mindset that a healthy church starts to develop. And not everybody's on the same page with that. But it's not to see what we can get out of our fellowship. And if you're bored with the word of God, of course, you're going you're gonna to get out altogether. Because, you know, we don't offer, you know, a whole lot of bells and whistles. But our desire is to be transformed together today. Our motivation to serve God is urgent and should not be put off for another day in the future. That's one of the bad habits of this COVID world, okay? You know, first you're battling the reality of it, and it is real. And then you develop other, but then, you know, because of situations and circumstances, you develop other habits that start to change how you think about church attendance. But we know that today is to know the Lord and Jesus as your Savior. That's the most important thing, today. Because if you don't, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, as your Lord, you don't want to put off another day because you have no idea whether you'll make it even through today. And so all the opportunities the Lord puts us to be transformed together today just they, they, they should hopefully motivate us. But earlier, you know, we talked about the rising of the nuns. Why are people leaving the church in droves? And there's a lot of reasons. But one primary reason that we see today is that the church has lost sight of its main mission. The church, by and large, has lost sight. Uh, here's a quote from, we've been praying, you guys have been praying for Pastor Zach Adams, Sandy Adams' son. 
He's the pastor of Calvary 316 in Winder, Georgia. Now, he would be considered sort of like you know, a millennial. He's a young pastor, and they have a, he's very sick right now. We want to continue to pray for him. But on their vision statement on their website, not their vision statement, but kind of their introductory, I'd like to read it to you because I think it, it bears witness to some serious truth. And now this is down in the Atlanta area, but uh, it applies all over the, the country. Their, their bulletin, if you will, reads this. It says, there is a growing trend within Christianity that no one is talking about. Christians are leaving the church in droves. Seriously, when was the last time you went to church? Question. How has it, has it been a few weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years? While those polled will often cite the lack of attendance on the fact that they've gotten busy, I have found an increasing number have left the church because they've grown tired of an approach more interested in attracting seekers than caring for their members. It's sad, but in the model that boasts being the church for the unchurched, the development of healthy Christians has taken a back seat. Have you experienced this trend? Has the church service you attend grown superficial and shallow? Do you ever leave a Sunday service longing for something deeper, more impactful, or simpler? Does the church seem more focused on reaching new people at the expense of caring for those who already attend? These are the kind of questions that, you know, young Christians, older Christians, everybody's seeing this, and, and it's, it's one of those difficult subjects. But, you know, the whole seeker movement, and there's other things. I talked about progressive Christianity and everything else. But really it comes back to this. The church has a responsibility. And what is that? To preach and teach the word of God. 2 Timothy 4.2, it says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. The church also has another responsibility to equip the saints, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Speaking of God, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastor teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. The purpose for all of this is to develop healthy Christians, to do God's work in our families, fellowships, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, and society. So here at Calvary Chapel, we are committed to those responsibilities. We are committed to them. We want to be well-fed by the Word of God. I pray that we're well-loved here we want to try to provide a variety of opportunities for you and I to exercise our faith. And that's why we have the list of, of stuff that we're planning to do this year. We want to provide opportunities, but we want it to be a variety of opportunities. Back to our text today, we see in Isaiah 1, 16 through 20, here we see God's gracious offer. He now gives them a roadmap to full pardon. Again, God is not some distant entity that just says, this is the way it is, see you later, you know, good, good luck for eternity. No, 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 he offers to show us the way. He says in verse 16, wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. This is a metaphor for washing the defilement of sin. Put away the evil of your doings before my eyes. Cease to do evil. That means to turn aside and to repent. A life of a Christian is a life of repentance, folks. It just is. I mean, I, I don't have, you could tell, you could stand up here and say the same thing. Your experience as you, as you grow in the Lord, as you walk with Christ, you're going to realize over and over again that you're going to come back, you're going to fall to the, you know, the throne of grace, and you're going to confess your sins before him. And that's a life. And you can't just kind of put that aside and make exceptions for sin. And it's easy, again, with this device, to do things that are wrong because others won't see it. But also, too, repent. And, and, and the context would be, you know, stop lying. Stop gossiping. Stop arguing and wasting time by hurting others. This doesn't just apply to the nation, to Judah. This applies to all of God's people. 
And how about strongholds? How about pornography? Pornography, that's another unspoken problem in the church. And it's serious. It goes deep underneath, just under the surface, and creates incredible, wicked strongholds in the life of men and women. Pornography, or even you know, alcohol and drug abuse, which our nation leads probably the world in drug consumption and alcohol consumption. And we wonder why we're having problems. But he says in verse 17, put, put aside, verse 16, wash yourself, cease to do evil. How do we do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And I will say about strongholds, they require help often. They require somebody to come alongside. And if anybody has uh, issues with the things that I've mentioned today, please come see me. I'm not, I'm not going to condemn you, but I can help you with that. I believe the Lord has given some good tools to help uh, men or women who struggle with these things. Verse 17, learn to do good, be taught. In other words, learn, be taught, be trained. You know, stay in the word. That's why we teach the word, to be trained. And then put, apply it, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor. These are social concerns. And a lot of times, you know, a, a pastors can get themselves in trouble when, they make a, when, they, when, it, when their church becomes all about the social gospel. Defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. You know, we're talking about abortion, and we've had that discussion here. We're going to have it again this year. We're going to have another uh, prayer walk, a couple of them actually, out to Raleigh. We're going to offer that opportunity to stand up for the unborn. He says, come now, let us reason together, verse 18, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Again, like a father to a son or a daughter. He says, come before him and reason. That means let's settle the matter. Let's, let's, let's fix this. Let's get, on, get it all on the table. Let's admit our guilt and ask for God's forgiveness. He says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. God, you know, we go to one extreme, God can take it to another extreme. Only God can do that. Though they are as red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see, God's forgiveness is complete. 100%, complete, total. And if you're willing, he says, though, notice you, you and I play a role here, obviously. If you are willing and obedient, this is what we call free will. There is free will. You know, you have to decide what you're going to do with the things God presents you. And if you are, you shall eat the good of the land. There will be good results. And anybody that's got a testimony for Christ, I don't care where you were, you know, in the in the gutter line, you know, whatever your extreme testimony might have been, and I don't mean to say that in a, in a condescending way, or if you've raised in a Christian home, but you've been in you know, some places where you know you shouldn't have been, and the Lord has brought you back, and, and you've been willing to be obedient to him, and you know now you can testify that you've eaten the good food of the land. You had good results in your life. But he says, like a father in verse 20, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Remember in that day, that's how the word of God was brought forth to God's people, was through the prophets to deliver his word. David Guzik writes this. He says about that passage, he says, Here God offers Judah a choice. They can find hope in the midst of their chastisement. They can find relief from empty religious ritual and cleansing from their sin. But they must surrender their heart before God and not refuse and rebel, but instead they must be willing and obedient. He goes on, he says, look, no one, no one perfectly matches either phrase, but which phrase better describes your life? Are you willing and obedient or do you refuse and rebel against God? There's a consequence for either course. You can eat the good of the land or be devoured by the sword. No wonder the Lord has said, come now, let us reason together. And so we, we look at our society today, and, and you think of, you know, as one commentator put it this way, he said, think of the millions of churches and worship sites throughout the world. There's one within walking distance of almost every person living in a major city of the world. 
Yet crime, immorality, and greed flood these same cities. Churches and organized religion seem to make little difference. It is as though they have become irrelevant to society. Why? Because the worship of so many people is insincere. And we're going on to another issue. Think of the number of people who own a Bible and claim to be religious, but whose behavior exposes them as hypocrites. Many attend worship services, but as soon as they walk out of the church doors, they return to their sinful ways. In God's eyes, their worship is meaningless. Now again, uh, you know, I, uh, this message, I don't want it to be misunderstood, as I said, as though I have some dirt on all of you, and I know you're living a double life, and that you're a bunch of heathens and a bunch of hypocrites. I don't want you to think that that's what I think. Uh, pray not. I just think we need to pay attention. I, I don't care how big of a church we are, how many numbers we are. We are called to do God's will. And that's what we're going to do. And you guys are a testimony to that because of your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. And so, you know, real quickly, I, I, why did we put this on paper? Well, for a number of reasons. This is your, your planning, okay? <laughs> um, why did we do that? Well, for a number of reasons. You know, one, one thought was, maybe you'll put it on your refrigerator. Maybe you'll mark your calendar, Okay. Maybe you'll kind of be able to make plans moving forward. Some, sometimes people say, well, I wish I would have known about this. I wouldn't have planned my vacation. I really would have liked to have been a part of that. But when we present this on paper, you know, it can look a little daunting. Like, really, Pastor John, you expect me to be at every single one of these? <laughs> well, some of you can't go to the ladies' Bible study, so you got to, you're out on that one. You know, that competing for people's time in our modern society is very, very difficult. For, for everybody. Everybody wants a piece of you, right? The, the texts, the emails, your, your employer, your spouse. So don't think that I'm here to give you this list and I'm you know, checking off and let's see who shows up and all this other mess. We're not about that. We want to give you a variety of things to do. We want to give you opportunities. So one thing, though, that every single one of us can participate in, when you look at this, you know, this thought that we're, you know, we put it before the Lord, the things we've planned, a lot of things that we've already, we already do anyway, is one thing you can do is that you can pray. You can pray. You can ask the Lord to go ahead of us. When you meet with the Lord for devotions or you gather in small groups, you can be mindful of what's happening that week. You know, what's coming up. Because the power of prayer has a way of changing things. It's so amazing. It's, remember, it's our heavy artillery. Because we're going to be discouraged, the weather, the COVID, whatever it is. And so, Lord, we, you know, we, we want to come before you, Lord. We want to pray. So everybody can do that. A second thing you can do when you look at this calendar, if you will, is plan. We said we're providing this plan. You know the, the old saying, plan to fail or fail to plan, right? Famous, famous words spoken by, and I guess it wasn't... Uh, I guess it wasn't who they think it was. Anyway, uh, plan. We're providing you a schedule so you can plan. Look at Isaiah 32, verses 7 and 8. It says, Also the schemes of the schemer are evil when he devises wicked plans to destroy the poor with lying words. Even when the needy seeks justice. But verse 8, But a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. So, you know, giving of your time is a generous thing. And by generosity, he says, by generosity he shall stand. And then, of course, Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart plants his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So we're always going to be flexible, right? Sometimes we put stuff on paper, and it just doesn't work out. And we realize, you know, we, maybe we went down that road, a venture of faith, and for our church, for whatever reason, wasn't going to work. But we still make our plans and we set them before the Lord. Because only He knows the future. So we pray. Everyone can participate in that. We plan accordingly if you want to participate. And then three is we actually do participate. Okay? So we plan, we pray, we plan, and we actually participate. 
And this is why we're giving you a variety of ways to minister. Why not spend the time with each other doing God's work at these special events, if it's an outreach or whatever it is? Because we have no certainty of the future of this world. None. We don't even know, you know, if we'll, we'll be here next year. We don't, we don't know what's going on. But I just want to encourage you to know that your presence matters. This isn't a social club. You know, let it not be. Uh, you know, that's where the gossiping and the cliques can come in. Let's not be that. But let's look to work together and to do this together with one another. Hebrews 10.24, you know this. This is very appropriate for our day because a lot of people have decided they've found other things to do. And we've already talked about some of the reasons why. That's the, you know, some of the things the church has done to push people away. But it says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Hebrews 10, 24, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now remember, uh, provoking or exhorting does not mean harassing, <laughs> okay? Let's be gracious to one another. And also remember, when you make a new level, if you do make a new level of commitment for 2022, whatever spiritual discipline it is, whether it's your time and devotions, whether it's your you know, volunteering, whatever you're going to do, the people you want to witness to at work, you know, those people even putting off your neighbor, remember that, that new level, one, one person once said, a new level, you, get, you run into a new devil, right? New level, new devil. Every new commitment to serve God, there will be opposition, Last week, we saw how King Nebuchadnezzar used all of his influence to tell the world about God. And that's right in line with our mandate given to us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the edge, end of the age. So as we look at our plan for 2022, obviously we have special services, Good Friday, uh, Easter Sunday, and Christmas. Those, are, those two services, those two days of the year, Easter and Christmas, um, that's when unbelievers come to church, okay? They, you may not even know them. You may have invited them. But that's when people come to church to get there, you know, to check that block. Okay, And the more uh, prepared we are for that, and again, I'm talking about prayer, planning, and participation, uh, you know, we'll see the Lord do a mighty work. Now, this year coming up, I will mention Christmas Eve. We're going to have a Christmas Eve service on December 24th. We're trying to make it a big event. And I know, again, plans and family gatherings and stuff like that, this is not taking precedent over that. I'm not trying to say that. But we're not going to have a Christmas Day service. We're going to kind of sleep in that day or whatever you do. So we're going to have a big Christmas Eve service on December 24th because that's Saturday here in 2022. Talking about local art, outreach, Heidi's been putting together uh, and, and really contributing to that. You know, the, the coat and gloves scarf drive, um, food bank pantry, uh, Kids' water days, you know, fall. These are all just opportunities. These are opportunities for you to say, hey, what can I do? You know, Lord, what would you have me to do? And then we have some dates to mark down, which we talk about. You know, of course, we talk about our, uh, our uh, coming schedule all the time. We have our announcements, ladies' Bible study, marriage retreat. Marriage retreat. Look, the world right now is being, you know, is coming against the the. Marriage. I mean, they're redefining everything. Marriage has been under attack for several years. And so if you can make the time for the marriage retreat, if nothing else, say you've got a perfect marriage and everything is grand, right? Silence. Uh, and uh, so, but you know what? You still send a message. You still send a message when you take time out for that. That, that is a message you're sending to the world. You know, we go to these hotels and these Christians come to these hotels and you got people staying there. You've got people, I mean, you got people working there, you witness to. Those are ways you witness to people, what's important to you. Um, Love Life Adoption Week, March 13th through 19th. We've signed up again. 
And, you know, that's the Sunday message, that's the Wednesday, Wednesday prayer and fasting, and then on the 19th of March, it's a walk in Raleigh. And it's an amazing experience, I got to tell you. Um, I couldn't wait to get it on the schedule again. We're going to partner with uh, uh, Hatteras Island Christian Fellowship again. Billy and them are going to come up from, you know, the guy, Hatteras people like to get off the island. <laughs> so they, they really show up. But it's a great time, some of you who went. And, uh, and it's a powerful, very powerful experience. And it's a witness. And we talk about doing good and protecting life and the unborn. This is one way you can. You have an opportunity to do that. We, of course, have our souls ministry, serving and feeding our community. We do that four times a year. And it's, another, again, another way. In May, we're praying about the potato festival. I guess they haven't scheduled it yet, right? Yeah, who knows what they'll do. If they put it on the schedule, we desire to get our own booth like we've done in years past and you know to be able to do for what purpose well to be there to give out bibles to hand out bible tracts to offer to pray we're gonna have a prayer uh, station all the things we can do to be present in our local community not trying to build our church just get the word of jesus out of course we have vbs again june 20th through the 24th that's always an important thing that's a local outreach. That's the one time when mom or dad or some mom or dad from a broken family oftentimes or a not spiritually happy marriage, unequally yoked marriage, where the mom or the dad will say, well, I'm at least bringing the kids to Bible study. I'm at least going to bring them for that week. And that's reality, right? That's an outreach. It's not just for our kids. When we advertise it and we participate in it, it's for our community. Of course, October 31st, Hallelujah Harvest. Now this can be, I, I, I do want to address this. Um, some people choose not to uh, participate uh, on October 31st because it's Halloween. We totally respect your decision. That is, that's just like you know, vaccine mandates. We totally respect your decision. That's a family decision. But I would only ask that if that's your position, think about it in another way. Because, uh, you know, people have accused uh, Christmas of being a pagan holiday. Well, why do you think Christmas started in the first place? Because the church was growing. And yes, there were pagan holidays going on. But what were they doing? They were offering an alternative to the pagan holiday. And that's how Christmas became a tradition with the tree and everything else. Yes, it had its roots in Saturnalia or whatever festival it was. But the church was growing and people were becoming believers. And so they said, we're going to offer a day. Because we know it's not the day, actual day that Jesus was born. And I see the Hallelujah Harvest Festival on the night of, of Halloween the same way. You know, we're offering an alternative. And again, it's become a habit around here. People, they go to the circuit. They go to all the different churches around here. They bring their kids. Well, again, we have time to offer them of course, you know, the fun for the kids, but we also offer Bibles and Bible tracts and witness and pray for others. Finally, we have the Christmas parade. Uh, I, I can't say enough about how much fun that can be when the weather's good. Uh, and even not, it's a lot of fun. You're out there. Uh, if you want to, if you kind of get a, get a gauge for how many people actually live around here, go to the Christmas parade. I mean, it's, it's massive. So anyway, those are the things we've put out. Again, I'm not trying to, I just want to make sure that when we talk about the things that the Lord would have us for this year, uh, you know, I just wanted you to hear my heart on that and, and offer you uh, some, some opportunities. One other opportunity I'd like to make mention of is uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, have what's called the Way of the Master training here on Monday nights. We're going to have their eight-week classes. Uh, that's uh, Ray Comfort. And Kirk Cameron, that's a video series where we actually train and teach uh, you and I how to witness people, witness to people on the street, open air ministry with gospel tracts. And even if you, you know, you're super shy and you never want to do something like that, um, it's a really great opportunity to learn how to talk to somebody about Jesus. And there's a lot of methods, by the way, but how to talk to somebody about Jesus without getting in an intellectual argument and really connect into the conscience and letting the conscience of the person, person come to at least give some thought to a true faith, a true saving faith in Christ. So that's training. You know, training is something, when, when, when uh, God says, he says, uh, learn to do good, that's learning, that's getting training. That's learning how to do things. 
And if you take that course, it'll help you when you go to these, you know, uh, outdoor activities, you know, the potato festival, uh, the, uh, the uh, you know, Christmas parade, the trunk uh, or treat, because it'll help you, it'll give you things to engage people in conversation about Jesus and about their faith. So we're going to offer that on Monday evenings. We'll, we'll start to uh, list the, uh, the dates here soon, but uh, that's another opportunity for us here at Calvary Chapel. And uh, I'm going to stop because I'm already over a little bit. We're going to go ahead and take communion today, folks. Uh, let's, let's come together in the Lord and let's prepare our hearts for communion. <clears throat> in fact, uh, John's going to play a little bit of piano Lord, I'm just gonna I'm gonna pray, and then after I finish praying, if you guys would just just come on up and take communion and return to your seats. But Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your loving kindness, Lord. We, uh, Lord, I pray that our communion time is an expression of our love for you and our obedience to the things that you've given us, Lord. A response because of your great love given to us. And so we want to remember where we stand today, once again. And so, Lord, we, we would ask that you would go before us as we prepare our hearts to take communion. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to fellowship in this way. And, Lord, may it be special once again, not just a quick dessert at the end of a meal, but something that's very nourishing to our soul as we gather and come to take. So let's, uh, please, let's partake of communion elements now. Thank you for joining us today for Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us next week as we continue through the Bible, book by book, verse by verse, line by line. God bless.